How to be the person that your dog thinks you are. That's coming up next on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. It is a topsy-turvy world, my friends. Wow. 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 Not only is it near 70 degrees and sunny on the 6th day of November 2020 here in Northeast Ohio, but not only here in Northeast Ohio, but everywhere else around the country, we still don't know who the next president of the United States will be. That's how topsy-turvy this world is. Matthew here, deep inside the, well, somewhat comfortable to warm bunker here in the basement lair on this, a Friday, which just would happen to be my better half's birthday. And um, so we are celebrating that by really not doing a whole lot. I mean, I'm working, and uh, after having breakfast this morning, my lovely better half, uh, Donna, went out to lunch with her niece, and that's a good way to spend uh, a Friday with an almost 70-degree day. They're going to search for an outdoor dining place, and with masks, they're going to uh, have a little birthday lunch, and then later this evening, we'll, yeah, I guess, watch election results again for like the fourth night in a row, <laughs> which contributes to this topsy-turviness that we indeed have experienced. So, again, without making this a political podcast, because it is by far not at all a political podcast, this is really just the culmination of four exceedingly, quote-unquote, interesting years, to say the least. And so we all wait on the edge of our seats, I guess, uh, waiting to see who will be the next occupant of the Oval Office. Meanwhile, we're soaking up some delicious weather. Now, on tap for the next several days, similar weather, which means yours truly will have no excuse to get all of the leaves done, all of the leaves uh, raked and put to the curb. As I mentioned in another podcast in our neighborhood, our city actually comes by to pick them up. And so that will happen in less than a week. So I have no excuses to get that ready. So there you have it. One of the things we enjoy doing is going to (laughs) Joanne Fabric because my wife finds so many different things there. You know, things to assist her with her crafts, things to assist her with her art. And I, like the doting husband, wander around behind her looking at my phone, charting, you know, scores on the ESPN app nodding occasionally. Yes, that is really nice. Uh, Yeah, I think that you could really make that work on a project. Uh, But at any rate, I wandered off one day on my own as she was talking to someone behind the cloth cutting counter. And I happened upon a bunch of stamps. And I had been really in the back of my mind looking for a stamp that merely said copy. Because when I 
process checks that clients send. I usually copy them off. And rather than writing copy, I just wanted a stamp that kind of stamped copy. And so I was out of luck and didn't see it. But the one stamp that kind of grabbed my attention was one that I actually took a picture of. And I constantly, no, I not constantly, but I sometimes remind myself to think back on. And that is, be the person your dog thinks you are. And sometimes when I look at Izzy, our little, we're guessing, 13-year-old, full-blooded West Highland Terrier, I am reminded of that. And Izzy is the only full-blooded dog we've ever owned. We're, we have a history of owning mutts and rescuing dogs and you know taking dogs out of really peculiar situations. And in Izzy's case, a rather dangerous situation and giving them a new home. And we've been very, very fortunate with our dogs. Our, we've had our dogs for a pretty long time. And obviously, as anyone who is a pet person knows, these uh, dogs and cats and everything else. I've never had a goldfish. I've never had a llama. I've, <laughs> I've never had, you know, a gerbil. But, you know, I'm guessing that these Pets can also become a part of your household as well. I can really speak to dogs and cats because they have been a part of our world. And as anybody who knows me knows, I'm much more of a dog person than I am a cat person. I mean, I like cats and I think that they're cuddly and cute and they certainly have their own personality and a mind of their own. And I'm sure my friend Tim would probably disagree with me, but I've found that dogs mesh with my personality more than cats. And one thing that I've always been really amazed at in terms of dogs is their ability to operate from an unconditional perspective. Like they love you regardless of the condition. And they have they attach no condition to their love. Like you don't have to do anything for them in order for them to love you back, which is oftentimes a quality that I wish were more in humans and really I wish were more in myself. It's not to say, though, that we can't matriculate towards this sense of unconditional love, unconditional giving, unconditional feeling, unconditional action. And... I'm reminded when I look at Izzy and when I spend each and every day with him as a part of our family that this is a tough thing to do. It is a challenging thing to do. And I'm reminded almost on a regular basis that I need to be better at it. In my business, my work has dropped considerably over the past couple of years. And my work with radio stations, because of the demise of the industry, has caused me to look in some other directions. Now, while I have made some gains with those clients and that clientele, I still have had it in the back of my mind 
hey, man, you need to get out in front of this and you need to operate in other avenues in addition to this to make up for this lost business. And so one of the things that I've been trying to do, and I believe I've referenced this on past podcasts, is I've been trying to make more inroads in the video world. And it's been in some ways similar to what I've been doing and in other ways much more challenging. And without going into a whole podcast on video creation and video editing, I've really relied on a couple of people to try to give me pointers and to lead me in the direction that I need to go to create usable content that is done in the hopes of having a client hire me to do work. And so I'm balancing myself between photography and videography. And it seems lately that I've been leaning much more in the videography realm because everyone's a photographer and there's just so much competition. Meanwhile, on the other side, there's it's competitive as far as being um, a videographer and being a film maker, I guess, for want of a better word. Um, it seems like the appetite for video is much stronger or as certainly as strong, if not much stronger than just pure photography. So I've really never tried over this past year or maybe even year and a half to market myself as a photographer, really more as a video slash content creator. So I go through that long winded description because what I've been trying to do is create some videos that I can get up on my website, which is mattphotovideo.com, and to show potential people, okay, hey, here's something similar that I can do for you. So one of those projects that I've been doing for a variety of clients is to create a video that perhaps can be used on their homepage and a video that describes sort of who they are, what they are, and gives them a chance to, in interview fashion, explain their role, their purpose, their mission, their meaning, and then for me to intersperse it with what we call B-roll, you know, just uh, video footage that breaks up kind of the monotony of just the interview segment. And so with help from my friend Ryan, who does this for a living and has been really quite good acting as a mentor for me. And, and, and as good mentors will be brash in their honesty about how much you suck, you know, about, <laughs> and you would never say that. But I mean, in his comments, you know, on various things that I've done, he's been very honest about you need to do this and don't do that. No, no, no. You don't want to do that. You don't. He's been just very helpful and you have to have a thick skin. And I think this has lent itself to that. At any rate, I really, for my website, I needed one more video. And of course, I hadn't really had any videos that really showcased theology, religion, a church, 
And so I approached a Byzantine Catholic church uh, in the suburbs of Cleveland about coming up to film a video segment and doing a similar project. And so to make a long story short, uh, Donna, as my uh, as my cinematography assistant, accompanied me on a couple of these jaunts. And, you know, one jaunt up to the southern suburbs was the interview portion that I did with the pastor. And the other was actually filming the Divine Liturgy and just getting some other B-roll. And then last week, we were happened to be up in Cleveland, and we dropped by to take some additional photos to use in this project. And so my introduction to the church in order to do this and to the pastor was to say, listen, here's what I'm trying to do for my company and my website. I would like to do this free video for you so that I can have the content. And if you want to use it on your website, that's fine. Uh, as long as you allow me to use it on my website as a marketing tool. And of course, there aren't a whole lot of people that are going to turn down something free. So I knew this going into it. So I finally finished this particular video and I tried to track just to give myself the tools necessary to justify future costs down the road. Like, what did it take as far as drive time? How long was I there? And then driving back and then taking the footage and putting it into, you know, Final Cut Pro and and manipulating it and editing and chopping and adding music and using multiple cameras and then going back up and shooting additional footage and the same thing, taking it back, putting it in, you know, to the digital editor, trying to organize it and then coming up hopefully with a finished product that would entice a business to use my services down the road, hopefully in a way where I would get compensated for it. So I finished this particular video and I uploaded it to a Google Drive folder and I explained to the pastor that it was done and hopefully you like it and uh, if you don't really need any other changes, I'm going to go ahead and post it to my website and feel free to use it for yours. And so several hours later, I got a response and, you know, he really enjoyed it and he called it tremendous. And I'm going to give this to our, you know, our website design person and, you know, she can download it and uh, thank you very much. And all that was great. And so Later on in the day, I took my walk after lunch, and I thought a lot about this. And I have to admit, there's a little twinge of gunk going on inside me. As Joe Montaigne said in The Godfather Part 3, there was a little pebble in my shoe. And I guess part of me felt like maybe there might be a small stipend involved. Like, wow, you did a really good job on this. And, you know, I know you're going to do this for free, but, you know, here's a few shekels, you know, for your time. And that didn't transpire. And, and, and really, I kind of stewed over this for a couple of days. And the other night, I was in the kitchen unloading the dishwasher 
and I turned suddenly. And Izzy has been known to kind of, he's been doing a lot of uh, <laughs> hanging around for human food, which is not something he'd done earlier in his life. But for whatever reason, he kind of hangs around waiting for things to drop. And so I, being the lover of dogs, I mess up and I feed him, okay? And so sometimes during dinners and lunches, you know, and breakfast, he'll kind of wait around, kind of staring at me, waiting for, you know, his little morsel of gluten-free bread or maybe a blueberry or something like that. And, you know, he does it in such a way that it's just so damn cute you can't turn him down. I mean, Izzy is just the most gentle little boy, and he just stares at you. He lays down, as Donna calls him, a sphinx, and he just kind of st- looks at you and kind of waits. And if he doesn't get anything, he kind of sheepishly goes away and finds one of his little beds, and he goes to sleep. Well, sometimes while I'm unloading the dishwasher, he will kind of get around me underneath my feet. And I turned that evening very quickly with a couple of pots or pans in my hands. And the left side of my calf, I mean, really whacked him in the head. I mean, it was hard. And I was moving quickly. And, you know, it kind of slid him a little bit across the floor. We have sort of a laminate floor in our kitchen. And it kind of slid him across the floor. And and it was a pretty good little jolt. Now, normally, if a human did that to me, you know, the natural inclination would be, holy crap, dude, you know, I mean, I'd be like, what are you doing? You know, yelling, screaming, sometimes, you know, early in our lives, we might even like take a swing, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, a person didn't mean to do it, but it just happened and your normal reaction would be to get defensive. Well, this is not a dog's normal reaction. You know, dogs don't do that. I don't know what cats do. I've never done that to a cat. You know, my inclination is to think that cats would be, look at you with that look like, did you really just do that to me right now? Dogs, on the other hand, I've never got the impression that that was the case at all. And so immediately I put the pans on the counter and I, I, you know, got on one knee and I kind of held his his face in my hands and I went, oh, Izzy, I'm so sorry. Izzy, are you okay? And he just kind of looked up at me. And, you know, so I spent a couple of seconds with him to make sure that he was okay. And then when I stood up, you know, he was putting his paw on my leg, like waiting for me to drop down again on one knee and to, you know, sort of give him some more love. Like it didn't seem to matter to him that even though my shin or calf sent him halfway across the kitchen, I showed him some love and that that was completely forgotten now. And almost like even if I hadn't shown him love, the notion that he would continue to love me unconditionally, getting the sense that that was completely accidental, at least this is my human interpretation, it just didn't matter to him. And later on, while I was opening my first Great Lakes Christmas ale of the year, I sat back and I thought, you know, I should be the person that my dog thinks I am. And let this video go. I instigated the free part of it. I should not anticipate anything in return, nor should I be upset 
that this person getting free work would not offer that to me. And I should take a hint from my dog and I should rejoice that I did this unconditionally, that as far as my skill level is concerned, I did it with a sense of quality in mind. I learned a lot. I had some mistakes that hopefully I learned from for the future video, and I should take this as a win and move on unconditionally. Much to the consternation of several friends, and maybe to Donna to a certain extent, I had really been working at the restaurant for the past couple of weeks. And I had been filling in because they've been low on people. My role at the restaurant, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, is that I am a tapologist. I talk beer, and I give people advice on beer, and hints on beer, and I try to match them up with their particular taste. That is about 25% of my job. And the other part of that job is I, I take crap off people's tables, I sweep, I mop, and I basically try to protect myself, in the case of a pandemic, from having contact with customers and contact with anything that might give me this disease. So when the restaurant texted me several times and said, we could really use some help. Can you help us? I felt really pulled because I was staring at my text and then staring at the article in my morning paper that said we were now above 4,000 daily cases of COVID. So I was really torn, but I decided that I was going to do that. So I went to the restaurant and I put in several days of work and I came home and I took my clothes off in the garage. So I was trying not to take anything in and I tried to make sure that I showered immediately and that I didn't, I took all the precautions that I hoping that I was going to take in order to keep myself safe and to keep my wife safe. And I even wore double masks, which was really, really difficult to do. I changed my gloves at least 30 to 40 times every night that I was there and used hand sanitizer between them. And I, I hope I did everything that I could possibly do. And again, I, I had a little bit of a stone in my shoe about the whole process because I felt for a while like I had put myself in jeopardy and I put myself in danger. And this week I was supposed to work a couple of days, but the Wednesday that I woke up, we had approached almost 4,500 cases. And I got a couple of texts from friends who kind of reminded me that I was putting myself and my family in danger. And the longer I was working, the the longer that I would have to suspend my 14-day quarantine to go in to see my parents. So it's been two weeks since I've seen my parents. I drop stuff off outside of their door, and then I, and then I call them from my car, and I try to explain to them why I can't come in. And, you know, most days they don't really understand it, but they, they sort of say, okay, well, come down whenever you can. But in my mind, I'm thinking, 
you know, I'm here's my last day at the restaurant. And once I work that last day, I can mark my 14 day quarantine period before I can go in. The, the whole thing just seemed strange. And on that Wednesday morning that I was supposed to work um, two days ago, I, I just felt an overall sense of angst, an overall sense of dread. Like, why am I doing this? You know, this is, I mean, the, the, the chain, the money that I get, I guess it's okay, but you know, w- what are you doing? And I sent a text out to my immediate supervisor and the district person. And I said, I hope you understand that I am doing this short notice, but I cannot work these next two nights. It's just, these numbers are high. I, I feel like I'm already at the at the threshold of where I should be as far as protecting myself. And I don't want to put myself in any more danger. And maybe I made a bad decision, but I hope you understand once this is over, maybe I'll be able to help out later on down the road, et cetera, et cetera. And again, later in the day, I, I, I felt like they got the better end of the deal. And I said to Donna on our walk with Izzy later that day, I I feel like maybe when they asked me to work, that maybe they should have thrown an extra bone. You know, like when I was there the first day two weeks ago on my return, the person who resigned came in to have a beer and and he's the one who trained me and he went to another job and and he said man i i hope you uh finagled 21 22 bucks an hour out of him you know for, for you coming in you know hazard pay and all that and it really just never even occurred to me and really i've been thinking about it the whole time like wow i should have negotiated something here because i was doing them a favor and like they're getting something, but what am I getting? And I think it was later in the day that Izzy decided to pee on the floor. I don't know why. He just decided to do that. Just decided to pee on the floor. And I think that he probably told us that he had to go out. He never really does that. And maybe we weren't listening. <laughs> Izzy has this thing where he sort of dances like back and forth, he he you know lifts a paw and then puts the other paw down and goes back and forth and he so we call it dancing and and sometimes when he wants a little morsel of food he does it sometimes when he wants some love he does it and sometimes when he has to go out he does it so maybe we missed the cue but I turned the corner you know coming upstairs from copying off you know printing off something from downstairs and there was this little puddle so we both are like Izzy what are you doing I mean we were kind of screaming how you're I guess you you do and sometimes you try to do to let that dog know hey you did this this really wrong thing well Izzy's you know he's an old timer so he's probably heard this countless numbers of times but at any rate he kind of meandered over slowly into his little bed and kind of stared at us like whoa what did I do you know and then I thought, well, maybe he, maybe he tried, you know, to say something. And so I went over to him and, you know, I think maybe he thought I was going to do something bad, like hit him. And I sort of petted him on the side of his face and I said, come on, let's go out. And then he kind of jumped up with his tail wagging like that had never happened. What he had done on the floor had never happened. And I thought about the things I've said on Facebook about supporting restaurants and how things are really tough for them and telling others, family members, you know, if there's going to be any 
federal subsidy given, they should hand it off to restaurants. Restaurants are hurting. Everybody likes to go out to eat. Everybody likes to go out and drink if they drink. Whether you're the Speaker of the House or whether you are just some schmo who just got off his shift and him and his wife decide they didn't want to cook that night and they go out to their favorite pizzeria. I mean, we all enjoy doing this. It's, it's a part of our lifestyle. It's a part of our world. Whether it's takeout or actually going, we like the ambiance of, of going out and, and, and eating and drinking. We like for the environment and the food, and it's just what we do. We love it. We love it. And it's these people that are hurting the most. And so I thought to myself, you should step back and get the stone out of your shoe and say to yourself, you know what? You didn't negotiate anything. They're hurting. They can't find people. They have a lot less customers. They have a minimal staff. They want a person who is a person who gives a damn while they're there, who works hard, which is I, I think is what I am, and obviously likes to speak to people about beer. So they reached out in need and they ask you. So rather than being PO'd, why don't you just unconditionally accept where it is? Because they unconditionally accepted your text that morning telling them, really with not very much notice, that you're not coming in. So you didn't see them having stones in their shoe. And so I thought, well, I will be the person my dog thinks I am and just let it go. This unconditional living is tough. And this whole election process really lets you know as a human that it's even tougher than you thought. You could spend all day on social media sites asking people why they voted the way they do. Why do you support the people that you do? And I felt those same things about my own family. And if one thing social media has done, it has revealed the deepest sides of us. And that can include the darker sides of us. And that can include sometimes the lighter side. But I think for the most part, social media has really swung more to the dark side of that. And so, in a sense, we know things about people that we really don't need to know or probably shouldn't have known. Or maybe once we know what we think, I didn't really want to know that. And that swings both ways. When we do these podcasts, we reveal information about ourselves. And there may be people who download it and listen and think, you know what? That's something that I really didn't want to know. 
But I think the challenge, the challenge that Izzy <laughs> gives us over these next four years is to not just look at somebody based on the flag they fly from their car or the sign they have in their yard or that one issue that just seems so like the penultimate issue that defines why they support someone that hopefully were made up of more things than that and that we find a way to look past that one thing and hopefully we give everyone a chance unconditionally and that hopefully these people give us a chance. I think that's the challenge that Izzy (laughs) issues us, that that little stamp at the Joanne Fabrics says, be the person your dog thinks you are. And that will prove to be quite a challenge. So finally, I just wanted to wish my better half a happy birthday, who has unconditionally loved me for the last going on 33 years. I can't think of a more talented person. She can do all kinds of things. She can do many more things than I can do. And as I said in my Facebook post this morning, she has never met a challenge that she couldn't at least attempt to tackle. She will try to fix anything. She will try her hand at most things just to see what the big deal is. She's probably as a non-judgmental person as I've ever met. And as I said in my post, W-Y-S-I-W-Y-G. What you see is what you get. She has no airs. She'll tell you exactly what she thinks. And she celebrates a birthday today. So I'm grateful that she loves me unconditionally. As unconditionally as humans can love each other. And for that, I'm grateful. So I hope in your world, it's as nice weather-wise. Since I have to work today, we're going to spend tomorrow celebrating her birthday in very safe and simplistic ways. And raking those leaves. Got to get those leaves together. Tis the season. Wear those masks. Be careful. And thank you for downloading and listening to another episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast.